Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to The Gallant Few, the Rangers podcast, who are proudly sponsored by the insurance practice. The team at the insurance practice specialise in family protection and life insurance. And who better to look after you and your loved ones than fellow Rangers fans? Check out the website at www.theinsurancepractice.co.uk or contact The Gallant Few for more information. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Gallant View podcast. My name's Colin McDuff and today I'm delighted to be joined by Regional Coordinator for Youth Development of New York City Football Club, Callum Sinclair. Callum, first of all, happy Thanksgiving and thanks for coming on on the podcast and a, a big day in America. Yeah, thank you. Um, no, it's a pleasure to be on it. Um, really enjoyed the the, sort of the nature of your podcast, so it's it's good to talk Rangers and, and it's a day off here as well, so what better way to spend it? Happy days. Before we get into it, it's, you'll you'll notice listeners. Um, although he, he works in New York, he's not got a, a Brooklyn accent or anything. Callum, <laughs> are you enjoying life in America? And on the other other side of that, are you missing Rangers? Yeah, I mean. I think it's the Rangers thing, everything's been kind of equalised, I think, across, you know, no fans allowed. So everybody's kind of viewing it the same way and following it in the same way. So this has been quite a unique year. But usually, yeah, you miss it. You miss going to Ibrooks. You miss, you know, certainly, um, you know, seeing the, the games live and what have you. But, um, but no, I think the way Rangers have been doing things with their, their games and all the coverage they've put together has been excellent. So, you know, you can't really complain. And, as for living here, it's great for the most part. Anyway, you know it's been a bit turbulent the past uh, the past year or so, or past four years at Hazard. But um, but yeah, overall it's brilliant. You know, you, you get the early games to watch Rangers. You kick off your day in the right way with a win this season, and then you know it sets you up for the rest of your weekend. So and I can't complain too much. Happy days. If Rangers keep up this form, then you'll have a a spring your step most days. So <laughs> um, we're going to go and talk about. Your specialty, I hope, uh, youth development for both um, your own club and Rangers and the kind of differences in youth development and 
America and Scotland. But before we get into all that, tell the listeners a bit about your, your background. I know like, before we come to you, you were at Queen's Park for a few years, but has this always been something you wanted to do um, in terms of the youth development side or was it coaching you wanted to get into? Yeah, I mean, the, the way I've seen it, I remember having a, a conversation with my guidance counsellor in high school about career choices at 11 years old and they said, what do you want to be? So me being me at 11, wanted to be a footballer and it was like, right, okay, what next? So the next stage was always getting into coaching and then after that PE teacher. So the, the way I view it is I'm kind of on plan B, if you like, of my, my life path. So it's been very good to me and, you know, I think Basically, just anything being around the games, really, um, all that I've wanted to do, basically. So, you know, I'm I'm privileged to be in the position I am, and um, it's always it's always a joy to kind of pass on that enthusiasm to to kids of all ages and backgrounds and what have you. But uh, but yeah, like you alluded to, I'd spent time at Queens Park um, as a coach and. Um, getting into that, I'd, I'd played with the academy growing up from U15s uh, uh, right up to U19 level and then um, ended up starting uni and, and that kind of took over and Queen's Park or playing for Queen's Park came to an end and you know I was really lucky enough that as part of my university course I had to do a little bit of an internship somewhere, get some you know hands-on experience so I went back to the club and they were kind enough to offer me a little internship that um, kind of just grew and grew and grew into becoming part of the coaching staff there with the, the academy guys and, and doing some of the community work as well in and around the, the sort of Mount Florida area. So um, it's been, the club's been great to me and, and obviously the historic club within Scotland as well. So um, that was a big part of my kind of growing up around soccer or football, you know, was in and around those, uh, in and around that club. and. And with uh, you know special mention, I think to David McCallum. Um, I think you know our listeners will probably be more familiar with David being um, in the academy, working with the B teams and the the U 18s and U 20s or you know whatever kind of form they come with. Um, and he was actually the head of youth football there um, when I was starting out as a coach. And um, you know he's a fantastic influence on me as well. So I've been really privileged to to work with him from such a young age. Is there anything in particular David McCallum does so different or does he have like unique ideas or is he just like really, does he just enable coaches? What what makes him stand out in terms of being a great uh, role model for coaches? So for me, I, I don't know if I can speak for every coach who's worked with him, but certainly for me as a young coach, he was very, um, very deliberate in his, his feedback with, with me and he has a very clear picture of what, it should look like on the field, what it should look like off the field. Um, and, and not just in terms of football and, and development, but also in terms of, you know, people, you know, how they develop off the field, you know, in their own person as well. He was really good with me in that, and I'm sure the boys are are reaping the benefits from that. You know, certainly the, the guys that are getting up to the, towards training with the first team, I can only imagine that they've they've got the personality as well as obviously the, the playing ability as well. And, you know, David does a really good job with that, with, with staff, with players of all ages. Um, I worked with the youth 13s at the time with him as the head of youth, and he played a real big part in, in sort of paying attention to what was going on, not just with the players, but also with the coaches and how they were getting on and 
we were lucky that we had quite a few young coaches involved with the club in the academy back then and he always made time to, to go over that with us and, and make sure that you know we were part of it as well um, but also that they were getting the most out of the kids at the same time um, but yeah he's a fantastic guy somebody I, I really count on as a big influence in my career for sure well, good to hear um, such high praise of somebody in the Rangers set up anyway so at the time how did the Queen's Park set up to how did that compare to other teams in Scotland and you know in particular Rangers the reason I ask it's I don't know if it's just because I'm from the south side of Glasgow but you used to always hear about you know the the, the best footballers at your school will be on tiles with Queen's Park picked up all that kind of stuff um, I don't need to repeat the the fairy tale of Andy Robertson playing for Queen's Park five years ago I'm sure that's um, that line will go where that will follow him wherever he goes how did they compare when you were there in your eyes? So for me, it came in two parts. As a player, we were playing in what was then, I guess, the SFL, the Scottish Football League, where we would play teams that were outside the Premier League. Um, and it would be, you know, still a high quality of player at that age. Um, you know, play teams like Sterling, um, even East Sterling as well. I remember they had they had the boy actually I grew up with that ended up playing pro for Livingston, uh, Josh Mullen. Um, I can't remember if he's still there now, but... You know, he was he was always in there. We grew up together playing football. Um, and, you know, that's the kind of level of play you're talking about that was playing beneath the Premier League level at that time. So you're going back to, like, 2007 time. Um, the second part of that was when it shifted, when I started working as a coach with, um, with Queen's Park. They moved into uh, some kind of elite group. I can't remember the, the kind of iteration of it at the time, but it was some kind of elite group where they were playing more regularly against your teams like Rangers, uh, Celtics, St Mirren, Hearts, all the kind of, you know, Hibs, top-level academies at the time. Um, and to be honest, obviously Andy Robertson, for all they had a fantastic, you know, career, you know, he is very much an outlier, but that came from being given the opportunity at a young age and, and players getting that opportunity to go up and, and, and test themselves at first team level from 16, 17, 18 years old. Shankland is another one that's done the United and uh, who came up through Queen's Park's Academy as well. So they do do a really good job in, in fostering the right people as well. And then there's two Scottish internationalists that have come up from that that kind of pathway. Um, so they do talent-wise definitely compare to some of the best around. Um, obviously, uh, Rangers are looking more internationally now at their players as well, which is great. Um, but at the same time, it, it raises the level for the kids in Scotland as well to to push on. But certainly, Queens Park were, you know, they, they did not look at a place at that level. They they were really up there at the time, um, and, and they still are, from what I understand. I don't want to really go over spilled milk for the listeners, but it's well documented at the time that. A big regret for when Rangers went into administration in 2012 that a lot, of, a lot of fans, myself included, thought this is the chance to get the youth set up right. And, you know, it's like I'm not breaking any ground here when I say that they didn't. They, they didn't really focus on that at all. But for what you've seen when you were even at like under 13 level, did you see much? Of, like, was it, was it non existent at that time the Rangers set up? It's different. I think the approach to players now is radically different. Um, and, you know, they look more at technique. They look more at, 
um, decisions, mental preparation, all these kind of things. And I think that's now because they've had more of a grasp on how to kind of measure it or analyse it or get a perception of it. Whereas back, you know, even 10 years ago, even probably, you know, five, six years ago, it was a lot different. It was maybe just based on, you know, the, the biggest kids, the strongest kids, the guys that can, you know, smash a ball in from 30 yards, you know, and they have their merits. It's not to say that they can't be a, a good player just because they're so physically dominant. Um, but I think there was, you know, more of an emphasis based, you know, placed on that um, as the as the kids were coming through. And, and ultimately, like a lot of talent, you know, might have been lost. And I think if you see the profile of the players that are coming through now from the academy, guys like Kai Kennedy, Stephen Kelly, uh, even Dapo, maybe they, it's, these are guys that maybe aren't you know, six feet to, you know, dominant physically. They're they're more technical and, and mental based. And I think maybe that shift has come with, you know, a playing style that now matches what the academy are producing as well. Because it's no secret the success the academy have had over the past, you know, two, three years, certainly at a senior academy level. And I think that's come from that shift in, in sort of player ID based not taking the big kids all the time, maybe you know, looking at the kids that can keep the ball or move it or you know, make good decisions in different areas. So I think we're obviously seeing the benefit from that now more than we did back then because we're getting smarter footballers as opposed to physical footballers. Yeah, I think that's been I think that's been something that the the Rangers uh, footballing department like Faye Ross Wilson all the way down to like the coaches like Kevin Thompson, they've they spoke about having a similar culture and a similar identity to the first team. And I suppose in theory, if you're playing the same way with the same mentality under 19 and then under 21 level, it should help the transition a bit more in the first team level. Just yeah. sticking with the Rangers Academy while we're on that there. Do you have much exposure? Do you know, um, have you seen, seen how well they're doing? And do you think there's any realistic way that we can see maybe one or two players breaking into the first team each year with the current setup. Um, the last time I was back in Scotland was 2018, um, and actually, I actually messaged David McCallum to see if I could come in and, and just even see for a session, and it's more of a, a hope than anything. Uh, and he was he was really good to invite me in. We saw, I think at the time was the U16 or U17s. Um, that were playing um, and like Dapo for example was in that that cohort and you could see already the the demands not so much that the coaches play I think everybody has a perception of the coaches being like the ones that are hammering players and, oh you need to this need to that but it was actually pretty much player led that they were setting the standards for themselves and, and being not happy with what they were doing or, or pushing each other to do better and I think I think with that mentality Certainly stepping into, you know, what I would perceive anyway, that Rangers dressing room with the kind of guys they've got in there, the demands that Tavernier might set, you know, guys like Defoe, these are big personalities that are going to demand a lot. And I think seeing them demand so much of each other back then, and that was two years ago, is is something that will probably shape them. And that, that comes back to that kind of mental element that, you know, for all that are good players and they could probably, you know, beat teams fairly handily, it was that desire and training to be even pushing themselves to that that next level or setting the standard that bit higher. 
Um, but for sure, like, and again, David came on during all his COVID podcast, video meetings, all that kind of stuff. David came on and, and hosted a little seminar with the guys at NYCFC, just talking about the youth development pathways, some of the, the ways they train and, and practice and, and ultimately try and develop players for the first team. And I think you can see his enthusiasm talking about this, the squad that we had then. I think it's come, you know, the, the optimism is so, so high for a lot of players to come through. And, and I think you've seen that earlier with um, young Patterson at right back now, you know, very much becoming Tavernier's deputy. And, and unfortunately, he's not going to play against Falkirk. But, you know, he's one that's ready, stepping in. You've got other guys, I'm sure, that will be in that. I know. The, the young lad Mayo has been in that conversation as well and Kennedy again off the field I don't know what the, the situation was there but you know he was one that certainly has the talent to be in that environment and I think you know there, there's probably more to come down that line judging by the enthusiasm that the coaches certainly have and I'm sure Kevin Thompson's very public in his kind of praise of the, the kids there as well um, so I don't see any reason why there shouldn't be more progression from the academy into the first team yeah, but I think everybody has had a, you know, they, they do have that kind of sense of pride. Like, he was one year old when the likes of Nathan Patterson come through and you even see them on the bench. And you're right, he is a pity that he won't be able to play against Falkirk. Um, that would have been an ideal game for him and to rest having there. But I think, I think as Rangers fans, everybody wants to, fans across the world, I'm sure they, for their own club, everybody wants to see the youth talent coming through so here's hoping there's more to fall in Nathan Patterson so after three years at Queen's Park talk us through how did it come about um, swapping Mount Florida for the United States of America mate that's um, that's a move and a half yeah to be honest I was finishing up my my um, my university so um, I was doing a master's degree at Stirling and honestly I it was just, it was intense, and I just thought I need, I need a break from this. So, um, I just ended up really searching for positions abroad, something else to try my try my hand at because I never really had the idea of right, let's go to America and let's do that for however many years. It was more just you know I want to try my hand at this. Let's see if I can also get paid for doing something I like coaching. You know, it's it's tough to make a living in Scotland as a coach, as I'm sure a lot of guys will be able to testify to. But I ended up, it was just one of those ones that you roll the dice on, they they ended up calling me, come down to, I think it was a place in England, Stevenage or something like that, and they brought down all these guys to do like an assessment centre um, for coaches, and then they were giving us a bit about the role, and I'm like, sounds actually not bad, they got to New Jersey, and um, I couldn't point to New Jersey on a map at the time, I had no idea where it was, but um, you ended up coming out, and and um, spent must have been about five years or something there um, and it was great the, the, the people that I met there you know I've got friends for life basically and, and uh, from just by meeting them for that time and um, still pretty close to a lot of the guys there and obviously the, the lifestyle you come out here it's, it's sport on 24-7 all the time it's you know, this time of year usually is the best time of year because they've got four sports going on all at one time and everything's going on. But, uh, but no, it's, it's been great. It was just one of these that you roll the dice and see what happens. And, you know, here I am still rolling the dice <laughs> six years <laughs> later, you know. 
Uh, but no, I would recommend it to any anyone that's maybe listening, maybe you know younger, not sure what they want to do. You know, you can find a way to go to a different environment or whatever. You know, test it out, see how you see how you like it. But no, I couldn't speak couldn't speak more highly about the place. So when you first moved to America, did it was there such a stark difference in terms of mentality towards? Like sports in general, but more in particular youth development is it? I mean, I think we we only see the really like high profile Super Bowls or like the the MLS. I mean, I don't think there's too many listeners <laughs> in the Gallant few that know the ins and outs of the youth development in America. But yeah, is it is it night and day compared to Scotland? Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's it's certainly different. It's certainly uh, you know there's a lot there's a lot of emphasis placed on sport here, which is great for kids because they're never they're never at a loose end basically. But also on the other side, you could argue that they're a little bit overscheduled. You know, so I've had kids, and it's not a slight on them by any stretch, but they either become like football practice, soccer practice, and then they go right. I need to leave after an hour because I've got lacrosse practice lacrosse is a sport you play with a stick it's bizarre but they end up uh, they end up doing that or you know they're running late from a hockey match so they're going to arrive right on kickoff for a game and you know it's just it's crazy and it's crazy that the you know that that's the level of intensity these kids have and I know it's different in Scotland where it's very you know much a singular focus that you're playing football or maybe rugby um, but you know certainly um, you know the, if you're going to football you're going to football and that's it and you need to miss you know birthdays christenings all these kind of things you need to miss because you're going to football and that's that or you miss football because you're going to the family event there's no kind of halfway house whereas here it's very much you know kids on a Saturday and I don't know how the parents do it but <laughs> they do they take them from all over and it's no small drive, you know, it's like 45 minutes in a car from here to here. So, I mean, it's crazy, um, but the the passion for any kind of sport here is, is through the roof. It's unbelievable and um, the way people get behind even high school football or high school American football on a Friday night. The communities are out, they're watching it, it's a big deal. And I think, you know, going back, you probably played football at school as well. And it's like, <laughs> you were lucky if you had a man and a dog stop to watch what was going on. You know, the, some of the people didn't even want to be there, never mind have people watching. So the passion is there. Uh, but it's also intense from a young level where 
I've coached little kids at four years old and, and the same conversation as a kid at four, the parents having about having with me about scholarships and you're like, whoa, whoa, slow, you know, you need to slow down. Like it's into college or university here, it's it's an expensive business. So any sort of discount you can get on it is welcome. So, you know, it's always in the back of the mind of parents straight away, which can cause its own problems in the short term or long term. But the, the, definitely the passion and the intensity is there for sure. So your current role at New York City, talk us through that and that's, um, how did you go for USA Sportsgroup to, to that? Was that a kind of linked move? Because that's quite a, you know, a, for what, what we can see over here, a very high profile club at the moment in, in the States. Yeah, um, so just to give you a bit of context, USA Sport Group was um, like a private organisation. So I don't know how many of those are in existence in Scotland, but they're a private sort of sports organisation and they had a sports section and a, a soccer section. And um, I had a big part in the soccer section, just gradually going from coaching to different administrative roles and ultimately ended up being part of the sort of football education team there. So sort of dealing with the coaches, helping them develop to the best of my ability that I could help them so um, you know that kind of stood me in good stead and, and ultimately ended up um, ended up getting married spending more time further away from that job so uh, living more in New York than New Jersey so you end up kind of looking for work closer to home and it just so happened obviously that NYCFC had been around since well, they founded in 2013 but playing games since 2015 so it ended up there obviously growing and expanding at, at quite a ferocious rate at the moment. So um, the opportunity came up to go in and, and coach with them, um, just working in their sort of community pool of coaches. Um, and similar, I guess, to what maybe the Scottish Football Association do with sending coaches out to do, you know, camps, clinics, you know, whatever. Um, so it's similar in that role. And eventually they, they said you know, about a month into the job, we've got an internship position opening if you want to, you know, we think it'd be a good fit and if you want to have a go at it. So applied, got the position and was working with the the guys in the youth programmes department, which I guess would equate to like a community programme at Rangers or, you know, a development, you know, whatever it is, a youth development officer kind of role, uh, which is the, the role I'm currently in. Um, so it kind of, it's just, almost like landing on your feet sometimes you kind of just get in the right place at the right time and and then opportunities kind of come up um but yeah i mean it's not without hard work and sacrifices i'm sure my my wife will be quick to tell you so. um but yeah no it's it's been a fantastic role it's grown it's probably grown quicker than we can actually keep up with at times just such as the scale of the the job in nyc but uh but no it's been it's been fantastic it's actually celebrated my I think two year working anniversary there recently so it's been um it's been great I can't I really can't fault the club uh, certainly in my experience so um yeah it's been fantastic to develop in, in that capacity. Two years in the job you must be doing something right at least then mate so that's <laughs> so well played so just sticking with uh I, I suppose it'll be hard to gauge with NYCFC because they're so new it'll be hard to kind of gauge like kind of prolonged success of players that they have coming through but we're going to talk about 
how good the American clubs in the leagues are at bringing players through. Um, two clubs in particular we want to talk about. Mm. Orange County SC and Oklahoma I'll do that again. Oklahoma Energy FC. So two clubs who are now partnered with Rangers, both playing in the USL Championship. Callum, I think um, I think Orange County has been a bit more documented than than uh, OEFC, mm-hmm. just because we've had that partnership a bit longer. But how much can you tell us about how you know how beneficial to both? Uh, to both sides, these partnerships will be? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously from Rangers' perspective, they're going to be growing their profile within uh, within the States just by being out in that direction. And, and obviously there's a massive fan following already from expats like myself that will come watch the games and supporters, clubs in, in and around whatever cities. Um, but for sure the benefit for them is going to be getting the opportunity to send players out on loan, uh, as we've seen already, but also building their presence within sort of big areas that are maybe slightly untapped for um, anything outside of the MLS or anything outside of the English Premier League or even Spanish. Um, so I think it's a really a good opportunity for Rangers to corner the market there. Um, obviously, Manchester City, from my own personal experience, partnering with NYCFC and really launching that as well they've seen a benefit in players moving to Manchester and then ultimately being sold I think the best example is Jack Harrison so if Rangers are looking for their own Jack Harrison I know the young goalkeeper moved over from um, Orange County as well so um, you know that that's kind of the opportunity that the players have coming the other way and I think if you if you look at the MLS teams and I know they're the, the next level up but if you look at American players now that American team that's got all the young, talented players in it at the moment have all largely been from, you know, American-based clubs that have brought them through with good coaching, with the right environment, the right enthusiasm and passion for the game. And and ultimately, you look like guys like Gio Reyna came up through NYCFC, now playing at Dortmund. So if Rangers can, can tap into that market, as a lot of clubs, I think, now are recognising as a largely untapped player pool, I think that can only be a good thing. The, the size of the country is, is massive. The enthusiasm for soccer is picking up. They've got the World Cup coming up here in, in six years. So, um, you know, I think there's going to be a lot bigger emphasis on, on soccer and football in general here. And I think that's going to raise the bar if we can benefit from that on, a, on the playing field even better. Um, but certainly... The benefits are mutual as well. Um, obviously, Rangers are doing a, a lot around their international programme, which is great. And a, a big shout-out to the guys there. Um, guy I met closely, actually, Ian Greer, uh, who works in that department, is is doing wonders there. Gary Gibson as well. Um, these are all guys that are, are working really hard to expand that presence in, in all over the world. But certainly in, in North America, they've been doing a great job so far of that. No, I think... Uh... I think you're right in what you're saying. Obviously, there's the obvious footballing advantage. Um, you know, it's I didn't realistically I didn't expect to see anybody coming for Orange County for maybe a couple of years. So when Aaron uh, Cavanes came over this year, 18 years old, that's you know I'm not going to say he's going to work out. Every signing's a gamble, whether it's a youth prospect or an established player. But it's good to see that we're starting to, you know 
that's starting to come to fruition in terms of it on the football in sense. But I think where a club like Rangers already an international brand, but to have these connections in in America, we've got a connection in India and Australia now as well. We're starting to pop up here and there. I think uh, with the football in sense, it's just very very clever branding and marketing. Um, that's added benefits for Orange County SC. Last uh, this year, we had Cami Palmer, Danny Finlayson, and Matty Shields all feature at some point on loan for them. Um, kind of mixed success. I think the most successful was Cami Palmer. He he seemed to have a decent run, but you know the other two were maybe somewhat settle and during a pandemic as well. I'm sure everybody can can appreciate it. It's a it's a it's a tough move at the best of times to go the other side of the world. Never mind when you're eighteen, nineteen, but. I find the big question a lot of a lot of fans have is what what is this level, you know? So for me personally, I don't really know if this is if this is the equivalent of Scottish Championship or if this maybe too big a jump to them. Is this, mm-hmm. you know, are these boys going really to be out of their depth? What can you say about the kind of USL Championship level? I mean, it's definitely competitive. Um, it's obviously like a semi-pro, and it, it's not quite. It doesn't quite dovetail with the MLS. Certainly, but the the level is still high, especially with guys that maybe couldn't make it in the college game here, which is obviously a big focus. It's an easy transition for them to go straight into. You know, they've got the talent. They maybe might not have the academic, you know, success that they need to stay in the college game and ultimately move on from there. So it's good that you'll get a lot of talented players move directly into that league and make it as competitive as possible. Um, so in that regard. They're not going to be, they're not going to be in a place that it's. They're going to coast it. They're not going to be there where it's like, you know, I'm out in California. This is great. I turn up, I play football, and you know, this is easy. It's a strong, all that kind of thing. They're going to have to work hard because, you know, one thing that you know, American players have always been um, kind of fed for, if you like, is just the the work rate, their their dedication, their athleticism. So that's going to count for something, and especially with players now becoming smarter, becoming more technical, becoming influenced from coaches all over the place, they're going to have a little bit more game knowledge now as well. So they're not going to be coming in necessarily as like you know the messiah from Europe that understands and is way ahead. They're going to come in, and it's going to be a test for them. And um, you know the different environment, like you said, the not just on the field, but settling into a new lifestyle. Um, and that and it has its benefits, you know, being uh, foreign in the US it definitely has some benefits, but um, that has to be traded off with, you know, staying dedicated to, to what you're there for, looking longer term at returning to Rangers and how that's going to pan out. Um, but it's definitely, it's going to be a challenge for them. And it's something that maybe the, the guys that stay in Scotland might not have, because if they go on loan to you know, whatever the, the championship, the League One or League Two or whatever, they're still within their comfort zone to a certain extent. That they're they're training with Rangers every two or three days. That they're still you know living in their environment, still with their mates around them. So, I think as a whole, when you're talking about that personal development again, you know these are these are things that you can really only get when you move abroad and you, you're on your own and you can you have to fend for yourself and develop yourself and you know work the same way like nobody's watching you have to be on top of yourself as much as anything so i think you'll find when they come back they're a more mature person than maybe some some people might not estimate and and again 
moving into an environment where it's your job to play football and, and be competitive and win games. You know, these are kind of things that will will help support that uh, on a bigger basis than just maybe going out on loan to, you know, whatever championship team you might want to pick out, you know. So there's a, there's a trade-off there. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. I'd like to think it's just not, we're not going to just leave it there and have those, those three players when out and loan come back. I'd like to see a kind of, you know, a rotation uh, every year, whoever's most equipped to maybe handle the mental pressure and the footballing pressure as well can maybe go over. And obviously, it would have to, it'd have to benefit Orange County and OEFC as well. Surely the the guys at Rangers must be thinking, can they drink a W21 in America? Send the 18 years old, year olds over. Smart move. <laughs> Smart move. Yeah. So after, like, was that six years in America you've had now? Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of time working for we always groups. In terms of, in terms of youth prospects coming through in Scotland compared to America, do you think it's... Is there anything glaringly obvious? Like, I know we made a joke about the drinking there, but is there, is there that much of a different culture in players making step up for under-21 to professional? You, you look at the Rangers teams who are, you know, they're doing very well in Europe and against, uh, you know, I think Rangers, every age group is playing a year, kind of a year above, so the under-16s are competing at under-18 level and so on. And you look at the Scotland youth setups as well. We seem to have very competitive teams and very promising teams right up until under twenty one level. But you know, maybe with the exception of one or two, like Billy Gilmore's the big, the big one right now. We don't, we don't tend to get very many young prospects going into the top level where they're kind of tipped to be. Is that maybe a pressure we put in the players as a kind of society and a media, or is there something? that was just messing over here. I mean, it's, it's a good point and it's, it's always a big talking point, I think, with youth players here. Um, certainly, looking at NYCFC's first team, we're very fortunate that we had, we've got five homegrown players, they call them, um, that have come up from our academy into the first team. Um, and I think one of the, the big things I've noticed with those five in particular is, is their humility when they're around the place. You know, and, and I know they need to be confident, you know, to play at Rangers, you know, 50,000 people and the pressure and all that. They need to have a little bit of or cockiness, arrogance. But I think, you know, noticing when these guys have the sort of wherewithal to think, right, when do I need to be that guy versus in and around the, the locker room or whatever, they're very humble guys, they're very down to earth um, and they... I think they kind of appreciate the position they're in. And I think it comes with the spotlight maybe not being on them as much because the 18, 19, 20-year-olds in America that get the spotlight on them for athletics are usually the NFL players, the basketball players, the high-profile sports. So with soccer not being quite at that level here yet, I think it's almost a benefit to these guys that want to, to kick on professionally. That they've, got that, they've got that room to develop without... You know the the intensity of a whole city looking at you, and or half a city as as in Glasgow looking at you and saying, "Oh, you've been touted since you were this," and now looking, it might take the guys a little bit longer. You look at, for example, John Flick is now 
taking a long, long time to break into that kind of Scotland setup on a regular basis. And he was a player that was heralded as the the Scottish Wayne Rooney back in the day. When he was I, 15, when he was 15, he was getting called the Scottish Wayne Rooney. How can exactly. that not go to your head? Exactly. And I think that's a big challenge, you know. So if you look at guys that maybe, you know, like the guys that are out of the spotlight here, you know, playing football, playing soccer, it's like, you know, they don't have that pressure to deliver every single day like, you know, somebody's life depends on it. You know, they've, they've got time to grow. And I think, you know, honestly, you're seeing the benefit of that if you look at the US national team, how young the squad is, how kind of vibrant the squad is with the players involved and, and the levels that they're playing at in Germany and in England and in Europe as a whole, basically. Um, I think you'll, you'll notice that. And you can almost include Alfonso Davis in that. Um, although he's Canadian, he grew up playing in, in the MLS and now he's, you know, possibly arguably the left, the best left back in Europe and the world. So, behind Borna Barisic. Behind Borna Barisic, of course, yeah, well corrected. That's the argument. Um, but he, um, you know, they, they, they grow up and they play in this environment without necessarily the pressure of a city looking at them all the time. And I think that's maybe a, a big, big factor. Um, Again, it's only speculation from me, but certainly in my experience, looking at the boys playing in our first team that are at a high level, the humility is the one one big thing that stands out amongst those. Well, that's an interesting insight. Maybe just give Davey and McCallum a text and let them know. Just uh, keep an eye out for that arranger so we can get a few more boys coming through. Well, Callum, just before I let you go, I'm going to put you on the spot. Realistically, and don't just play to the galleries of the Rangers fans listening. Jim, we'll do it this year, Jim. We'll, we'll get 55. I, I think so. I mean, I don't want to get too optimistic because I was, I've been burned before. But I just look at a combination of what's going on at Rangers and what's going on. And inevitably, it comes down to what's going on across the road as well, across the city. I think that combination is right now the perfect storm for us. To, to go on and do something and I mean touch wood we don't have to necessarily rely on oh if we keep the squad fit because I think we've shown that we've got a real squad depth here that's the best I've seen since maybe 2009-10 around that time it's frightening that we can just drop players in and out and and uh, and still keep the still keep everything going in the right direction um, I hope we I hope we win the league because um, my wife's actually expecting on May 16th, 2021. So that ties in nicely with James Tavenier lifting the trophy on the same day. So um, I'm hoping that it will be a nice double for me that day. But, um, but yeah, so yeah, I think I'm fully confident we can we can do it. Yeah, I'm glad. Well, I, I hope um, I'll be some part of your uh, <laughs> 55 and a new baby, Sinclair. So just hoping that comes around, mate. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Callum, I hope the listeners enjoyed that as much as I did. Thanks again for coming on and thanks for giving of all days. Aye, absolutely. No, pleasure. Pleasure to talk Rangers and obviously with the game tonight as well. Um, it's, a, it's a good way to spend Thanksgiving. Perfect. And thank you all for listening. Take care. 